Welcome to a, another bonus episode of uh, Full Metal RPG. I'm Richie Buzzkill, and today I'm here with uh, Mike Addison. We're going to talk about uh, The Curse of the House of Rookwood, and, amongst other things. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hi, Richie. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, awesome. I, I, it's, it's a wonder. It's like fall, like the leaves are falling back east and all the yes. designers want to have interviews. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's the truth. Thanks for ha- coming on. Um, so kind of, uh, the first thing we usually like to do is, uh, ask you about like your, uh, history with role playing games. So where did you, uh, where did you get started with, uh, role-playing games uh well adventures uh no what am i saying advanced dungeons and dragons second edition uh, about 30 years ago so (laughs) i've been doing this a long time but um my my interests as far as games go are pretty diverse uh i played a lot of of World of Darkness games in the 90s. I played a lot of games that came out of the Forge in kind of like the early 2000s. Um, Fiasco and, uh, of course, the Apocalypse World ecology that's out there now and that sort of thing. So I, I'd like to say that I've seen, I've lived through pretty much most of the history of RPGs and it's it's always been a big passion for me. Awesome. Yeah, I, I started with... Uh with uh, West End Star Wars, but moved on, move, moved to Dungeons and Dragons second edition as well. So I've been playing, the, playing these games for a very long time. So. <laughs> but awesome. So, so you, you made that journey, uh, through the, uh, the, the indie apocalypse and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, brought, brought into these, these, we're in the, I believe, the golden age of RPGs because I've never seen this much diversity or interesting things going on. So, yes, I'm right there with you. It's a good time to to be an RPG gamer, definitely. So, what what made you uh, have a uh, the the idea of crossing over into the design space on RPGs? Like, what what brought you into that side of things? Well. Um, to be honest, I've been tinkering with rules for just about as long as I've been playing. So uh, back in high school when we were playing Dungeons & Dragons, we would make our own uh, critical hit tables. Um, in, in college in the 90s, when we were, we were playing West End Games, we, uh, my, actually my co-designer, uh, Brian Ben, uh, he and I would make a lot of customizations to the Star Wars game to kind of tell the kind of stories that we wanted to tell with it. And um, in the last 15 years or so, I've been kind of focused more on board games. So I've done a few board game designs. Uh, Last year, I actually crowdfunded my first published design, which is called Space Princess. It's a card game, two-player card game. Um, And I've always been passionate about RPGs. So uh, this has been something that was just kind of a homebrew thing that designed it for, for friends and, and now um, kind of looking at RPGs as a, a thing that I'd like to share with the world with what I've worked on. Awesome. So uh, just because I'm a huge fan of uh, second edition or West End Star Wars, what kind of, th- just to give an example of what kind of things you, uh, you did to, pl- you know, change that game to, 
tell the stories you wanted to tell? Sure. Well, about the time we your campaigns with it, it was sort of in the era of the prequels and seeing, you know, like a real quote unquote lightsaber fight for the first time, the big screen, that was a big inspiration. And uh, Brian and I really wanted to, to tell stories about what it was like to, to be like a full Jedi and to have Sith running around, you know, and have like actual lightsaber fights and not just have uh, uh, just like the single lone apprentice Jedi that's trying to figure things out, kind of like you have with like sort of like the Luke Skywalker kind of approach. And sort of like the way that the rules come out of the box, you really have to sacrifice a lot uh, for designing your character to be able to do any of the sort of Jedi force things. So we did some revisions to character creation so that Brian ended up running uh, a campaign for us where the entire party were Jedi during the Clone Wars. And um, so we all needed to be able to be competent at, you know, like you need to be able to like yeah. walk and chew, chew bubblegum at the same time <laughs> and also feel like an actual Jedi. And uh, uh, so that was a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, that was uh, that was the one thing about that system. It was definitely built to emulate the uh, the first three movies and not the uh, not anything else. So right, right, and uh, that that I will that is the one point I will give the prequels is the lightsaber fight in the first movie, and dual phase <laughs> or whatever is probably yeah. still the best lightsaber fight ever. Um. And probably will still be because I don't know if they're ever going to get that crazy again. But um, also, how many times they would have died because they turned their back on their enemy. Anyway, uh, moving <laughs> right. on. <laughs> That's what the force is for. You can sense when they're behind you. Yeah, you can sense when they're not going <laughs> to swing their lightsaber at your back because they're right. clearly not as evil as you're portraying them. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um so you started uh nerd nerdy pup games to uh kind of do some publish some board games and you've kind of decided to take an, a shot at at publishing this uh the curse of the house of uh, rookwood as yeah. as your first rpg for nerd puppy nerdy puppy nerdy pup <laughs> nerdy, yeah the, yeah nerdy pup games yeah. yeah um so actually in this kind of this kind of dovetails into Star Wars. So the reason I I ended up, I decided to start publishing. Um, at the end of 2017, Carrie Fisher passed away. And, you know, she's a big hero of mine. And that uh, I was kind of affected by that. And sort of my way of processing my feelings about that was to design a game. And that's where Space Princess came from. Uh, so... You have one player in that game that plays a space princess. She's trying to escape from a star cruiser. And the other player plays the dark zealot who has troopers and space powers. And they are trying to capture the princess before she escapes. And um, it was sort of like my way of expressing like what I liked most about Princess Leia. And like that, that moment of like the beginning of star Wars, a new hope where she's trying to escape and you first sort of get introduced to the character. And, um, so I, I ended up releasing that game as a chair. So I raised money for the internet international bipolar foundation, which was a cause that Carrie Fisher supported. Um, she was, uh, kind of a, 
a mental health advocate. Um, and uh, so I had kind of that success and uh, now I'm hoping to, to continue sort of, so I, I, have a, I have a day job like a lot of designers do. Um, so I see Nerdy Pup Games as a way for me to, um, to release games that I'm passionate about um, and, uh, and also to support causes that I, that I care about. Well, that's, fa- that's fantastic because as much, as much maligned as the last Jedi was like, I really feel like the fact that they finally let, uh, you know, princess Leia use the force that we all like <laughs> spent so much time in the extended universe, like as her as a Jedi and, and like that they finally let her like do something awesome. I, I just I can't believe people were complaining about that, but that's, let's not talk about those assholes. Like it, it does kind of make you miss not being able to see, you know, like the 30 years there where, where Leia could have been developing force powers or whatever that, that could have been some cool stories to tell there. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen them go on uh, uh, Luke and Leia go on a mission, both wielding lightsabers, both doing <laughs> badass force stuff. Like, Maybe someday we'll get that movie, and, and, uh-huh. but it won't be Carrie Fisher, so right. it probably won't you be know, as good, but still. Right, right. So, so that was, uh, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a great foundation for a company to, uh, to have uh, uh, causes that you're also supporting at the same time. That's, uh, I, I really appreciate when, uh, when, companies and and we're i'm talking about you know role-playing game companies that are all even the largest the only the one that's the largest is an actual corporation the rest of them are very small <laughs> yes so it's, yes. it's i'm uh, glad that that people are giving back so that's really awesome thank you yeah yeah i'm i'm really proud of all the people that that helped us meet our goal for that first game um it's and it's it's something that I, I couldn't do on my own. It's a, it's a community effort and uh, it really touched me to have all those people come forward and help out. Um, so you went on to dis, uh, ha- publish another, or no, you're going to kickstart another game. Uh, the dungeon. Was it dungeon date? Dungeon date. Okay. Yes. So this is another, this is another card game. It's a competitive card game for two to four players. You are uh, so your fresh-faced adventurers that are assembling a stylish adventuring outfit out of different treasure cards. Those treasure cards all have different styles on them. And you use your outfit to romance, befriend, and slay monsters that are in a dungeon. So sort of classic D&D style monsters. Nice. So, so kind of, uh, you know, it, it, the, the, the art is very colorful. It's very, um, the kind of palette looks very, uh, purple, pink, uh, brat, you know, kind of like that kind of, uh, it's very, very romantic, uh, view of, uh, <laughs> dungeon dating <laughs> as it were. So. Yeah, we are we are embracing the rainbow on on our design there. <laughs> I I am so glad that the that the community is is embracing 
that and it looks it looks uh, really awesome very um something that i think a lot of people will be really interested in um cool thanks and, and then and then you're doing the curse of the house of rookwood which is you know the art is very uh gothic uh black ink on uh like pale uh white and uh that it's a, it's a very interesting shift just looking at your uh <laughs> your your website here so what yeah um what brought that to some, your attention one a person might say you might say that maybe we have a, a branding issue at nerdy pup games but um I, I just like to think of it as we just have diverse tastes and um you know this is that's just the things that i like i happen to like <laughs> the well, bright and colorful and cartoony and i also like kind of like the gothic thing but um yeah, so I mean that's so what who uh, so did uh Brian bring this to you? Uh Ben? Ben is that how you say Yeah, it? Brian Ben. Yep. Um so the game started out uh so it's a co-design between he and I. Um but he is he's our writer. He is a fantastic writer. Uh he can just sit down and words pour out of him. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky but I'm bastard. really glad that he does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this game started out as something that um, I have a group of friends that we meet together once a year. They're old college friends. Uh, we just we rent a cabin and we play board games and RPGs. We used to do um, a LARP every year, though that's kind of kind of fallen to the wayside because uh, it takes a lot of work. But uh, so one of the things that we kind of wanted to do every year was have a, a role-playing campaign that we could play every year and then actually have a story that continued from year to year. But, you know, like with, with most RPGs, if you... <laughs> I play, like right now, I play regularly in, in a weekly campaign, and sometimes it's a struggle to remember what we were doing seven days ago. <laughs> in a game yeah uh, that, so. that's always the problem with it, you know especially when games get convoluted like after like two years of a game and then you're like okay so something that happened like a year and a half ago is now affecting the story but no one can remember why <laughs> yeah yeah so playing once a year that's sort of taking that to about its extreme so uh the idea that we kind of worked up was let's play uh, let's play a family, and every time we play, we'll just play a different generation of that family. So then, and then the outcome of of that session informs where the family will will end up in the future. So that way, we had continuity, but we also could had sort of a kind of one shot mentality for the actual game that we play. Um, and I'm so I'm I'm a big fan of of gothic horror. And, um, like some of my influences for this was like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I really liked how that took this sort of historical setting and kind of made, um, sort of combined universe out of it. And you have sort of this team of what's essentially like superheroes, but sort of in this sort of like Victorian Gothic setting. Um, it's like some of the other things that were influences is like the TV show Supernatural, where you have these two brothers and their father, they're a family that hunt monsters. 
Um, but they're not a perfect family. Their family is, they're kind of essentially like a broken family. And so they have to kind of struggle to, to rebuild their relationships. Um, and then like another big influence is a comic. It's called, uh, Umbrella Academy, which has a, there's an adaptation of that on Netflix now. So folks are probably familiar with that. Um, which is also kind of takes the idea of superpowered characters, but as sort of a dysfunctional family, a family that's troubled, is kind of haunted by uh, their past. And um, so kind of putting all those ingredients together, we have the Rookwoods, who are a cursed family. They have superpowers granted to them by their curse. Um, and then they their relationships are also haunted by skeletons which are problems either from their past so a secret that someone's keeping from someone else or uh, a mistake that someone made that another family member hasn't forgiven them for or even something as simple as uh, like a son that wants their father's approval that never gets it or um uh, like an older sibling that is kind of overprotective of a younger sibling, those sort of things. So, so this is uh, this is kind of a. Um, I I too have one of these uh, kind of we call it need another con because it's <laughs> because we we used to all go to Gen Con together and some of us still kind of get into the same group at Gen Con, but not everybody can do things in August, so. And, and we wanted to get together more than once a year, but it pretty much turns out to still be once a year for most of us. And we go to a house and we play role playing games all weekend. So I, I totally understand where we mostly do one shots, but I think, uh, yeah. this, this is a, is a great idea to be able to like, or even like play this game with my friends and family when I go ho- back to the Midwest for, uh, Christmas. Is oh, to absolutely. like play this once a year and be like, okay, so we vaguely remember our ancestors, so <laughs> that will right. influence this game, but in in that kind of same kind of way. So that's a it's a great uh, it, it's an interesting concept for a uh, a system because. A lot of people are like, no, our, our, our games are one shot games or it's 30 sessions or die. Like, it's just <laughs> exactly. like, there's not like a whole lot of like, you know, you can do this with a lot of stuff, but you have to kind of set yourself up where this is already set up for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a niche that we can fill, fulfill for people, uh, you know, like those, those in between campaign games that you just want to play like a couple sessions. It's kind of a palate cleanser. But then if you want to kind of get deeper into it, if you get invested in your characters, you could play for a lot longer. You could play across multiple generations of the same family. Um, oh, I should say, so just to, uh, I feel like I didn't quite finish explaining um, how we arrive where we are now. Sure. So, um, so like I said, the game started out as something that I was doing with that group of friends. Um, I kind of had some notes and... Uh, I had sort of some aspirations for maybe making it a complete product. Some one of these days, uh, I ended up sharing my notes with Brian, and um, a few few years later, uh, just like this was actually last November, uh, he comes to me with a manuscript, a ninety page manuscript that he put together that uh, compiled all the notes and fixed a bunch of 
sort of system problems that that I hadn't had a chance to put any attention to, and uh, really made it a complete game. And um, so Brian is a very important part of the game going from what was just a thing that we used to do, uh, just kind of uh, in our little circle of friends, to a thing that that can be shared with other other folks that other folks can play and enjoy. So uh, I'm very grateful for him to him for for everything he's done for the game. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic because uh, I, as uh, Brendan is designing his own game and I, we talk deeply about uh, game design all the time and how like when you run your game for the you know just for yourself and a group of people like you're spackling all over a lot of uh, gaps in the rules as you're playing because you're like well I absolutely I, I don't need to deal with this I'm just going to just like gone and we're just going to move right on we're going to do this thing where to hand a document to someone else and have them play and and have all those cracks spackled in by someone is the only way i think most people you know could actually run the game so that's that's a a good person to have around for sure (laughs) absolutely um so you've uh You've decided to. Uh, this is going to be your your first role playing game to publish. Which yes, and uh, there there is uh, the system is kind of interesting as you've got three different stats. Is kind of your uh, you're basically rolling. You're you're creating. You figured that three. St- I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So you've decided to, uh, go forward with, with this. And, uh, the, uh, as I've, I've been reading the, uh, playtest documents, uh, I think that, uh, there's a, um, uh, you've, you've got a great, tone you're setting with this you're you and that's the the great thing about the the gothicness uh is 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 easy to uh get on a page but uh was this uh can you tell me a little bit more about your uh the 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 your love for like gothic fiction and 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 what some some of the more you know individual influences that kind of brought brought you to this uh place here sure yeah well uh mary shelley Edgar Allan Poe, the fall of the house of Usher. You probably might, you might've noticed from sort of the structure of the title. It's, it's a kind, it's kind of a mouthful, the curse of the house of Rookwood, but it has a nice, you know, has kind of has like that nice rhythm to it. And we were trying to sort of evoke the fall of the house of Usher with that title. Uh, So yeah, just like the, there's a lot of, in a lot of Victorian literature, you have, um, you have a lot of themes of, uh, like the gothic horror literature, you have a lot of themes of duality. It's like Jekyll and Hyde, two sides of the same person. You have Dracula, who is uh, this this uh, so a nobleman who seems very erudite and very refined, but he's also kind of this vicious monster that victimizes uh, victimizes people. Um, so a lot of that kind of reflects in the way uh, your character ends up uh, both on, on the page and in play. So uh, your characters all have a curse. Uh, 
that curse has a positive side. You have cool supernatural powers. Uh, so, like one of one of my big influences for the kind of powers I wanted the characters to have is an anime film called Read or Die, um, where everything just kind of has sort of like a single central theme, and then it's very flexible with what they can do with it. Like so, for instance. When, like the main character from Reader Die, uh, she has the she has a book power, so she can um, she can manipulate books or loose papers to build structures. So she can like make a shield to stop bullets from attacking, or she can send a wave of paper to like wrap around somebody to uh, to ensnare them. So it's that sort of thing. So uh, with kind of like the gothic flavor. So we we're looking at more like shadows. Or like the ability to control ravens and crows and send a swarm um, attacking an enemy. Or uh, like one of our curses is the curse of the gargoyle, where um, where you can like make your your fist strong like stone, or you can blend in with the gargoyles on a like a cathedral or whatever. <laughs> um, so that's the positive side, but then the negative side of curses is that the more you use them the more inhuman you become the more you reflect your curse and uh, the game is designed so that you want to use your powers to be able to accomplish your goals but every time you do there is a fairly high risk that you will gain a mark which is like an outward sign of your curse and uh, you can only gain so many marks and once you hit your last mark are lost to your curse so for instance if you had the curse of the gargoyle you turn into a literal gargoyle (laughs) (laughs) so maybe now your your character is now just a statue the family garden whatever and then if you play another generation of the family that becomes a little piece of the story that gets carried on so now you might have a scene that's taking place in the garden oh there's there's uncle uh, Josiah, <laughs> he looks so lifelike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that really brings forward the kind of gothic family uh, tragedy uh, that would you know a- as the generation goes on, you can start to see like moss growing on Uncle Josiah, uh, and uh, you know you can it, then eventually you know you just they're they're just kind of like sunk into the mud and. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely have this, uh, you know, it, it definitely feels like it's in the, the, the more store, uh, indie story driven, uh, game side of things where you're playing what, like maybe one or two sessions with your characters. And then those characters are retired and then you come back and you play the next set and they, they, it, you, if you even if you solve all your problems, I, th- this is the one thing I got while I was reading. Uh, uh, the biggest thing I got was even if you solve all your problems in your generation, there's still going to be problems that are going to come up in <laughs> yes. the next generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a story about families. And, uh, families are we all have families; they're all important to us, but uh, you, you can't pick your family. <laughs> so you know that's. I think that that's a uh, the kind of story that a lot of folks are familiar with, and uh, we know what our families are like. We don't always get along. 
Boy, howdy. (laughs) (laughs) Understatement said. All right. (laughs) But, you know, there's there's something that's really powerful about being able to tell a story about that and then actually have those those wounds heal as like, you know, as a, as like part of the the course of telling the story. Um, It's also really hilarious when things go horribly wrong. (laughs) Uh, So I think it works out that regardless how you want to approach. So I've, I've played with a lot of groups um, as I've been playtesting the game and I've, I've seen some groups that get very like go very high conflict with their family skeletons. And there's, it's, it can be, uh, it can bring a lot of energy to the table to do that. Um, I've also seen folks that try really hard to give their characters a happy ending. And uh, I think one of the strengths of our game is that you can go either one of those routes and still have a satisfying result. Yeah. And uh, it kind of, uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit. And obviously it's sort of, is there's a card game called Gloom. Yes, yes, I'm a big fan of gloom. And uh the the you're in gloom, you're trying to your family members because everybody's playing a different family, you're trying to have the worst ending possible for each of your family <laughs> members and that gets you the most points to win the game. So, I I I feel like I'm the kind of person that would want to lean into getting you know, having the worst endings for my characters. <laughs> and not try to save them in any way. I, I feel like that's, <laughs> I think there's going to be yeah. definitely a very, a, di- a, a divergence amongst uh, players and groups as, uh, to see who can, uh, who, who can do the worst to their characters. You know? Yeah. There's a, there's an adage in uh, a game called monster hearts by, uh, by Avery Adler where you are uh, so that's a game where you're playing teenage monsters in high school and um, the advice for the the GM for NPCs is to drive them like you stole them which <laughs> yes that's my favorite advice <laughs> for is, all con games and any kind of horror game <laughs> yes yes uh, yeah that's exactly where I was going yeah so it's great for one shots great for con games and uh, it works really well for this game too so, uh, tell me about the, uh, the, the decision for, uh, the system, because you've got these, uh, you've got the skeletons and you have kind of a family, uh, you have a sheet that kind of goes through the house, right? There's like a, uh, a house that you're, you're maintaining through this or not sheet, but just you're maintaining this, this area, but Tell me about the the dice system because uh, a lot of people want to kind of know uh, more about that because this isn't powered by the apocalypse. It's its own system. Right. It's its own system. Yeah. So it uses six-sided dice. You have three traits, brawn, guile, and weird. And you you have a, a pool of five dice and you're going to distribute those five dice across the three traits, however you like. Uh, so you can, like I said, so you can Distribute distribute them however you like. Um, so you could put them all in one trait. Uh, so you could, if you wanted to be as strong as an ox and also as dumb as an ox, you could just put all five in brawn. Or if you want to be a little bit a little bit smart, you could put some in guile and a little bit weird, put some in weird. Um, so you're anytime you want to do something, we have kind of a two step process 
that we do. So you want to set the stakes for what you're doing. And so that it, that's that could either be as simple as I don't want to fail. So just want to make sure I succeed. Or it could be uh, a more involved conversation. Where the chronicler, it's our GM role. You are you ask the player what they think might go right and what they fear could go wrong. And then those become risks and rewards for things that could happen. So, um, so like, let's say you're climbing a fence. Uh, you might fear that you could, um, like, snag, uh, snag your leg on the top of the fence and, and cut your leg. Or you could make noise when you drop to the other side of the fence and a guard might notice you. Um, so once you've kind of set the stakes, then the player chooses which dice they want to roll. And they can either use normal effort, which lets them roll one die. They can use extraordinary effort, which lets them roll two dice. Or they can use their power, their gift from, uh, from their curse, which lets them roll three dice, which is a supernatural effort. Um, so any die you roll that's four or higher is a success. And then you get to spend those successes towards either getting the rewards that you wanted, the, the positive outcomes, or to buy off the negative outcomes that were established when you're setting stakes. Okay, that, that's a, it's an interesting uh, approach, and I think that really fits with the, uh, the, the kind of gothic nature because you're going to be setting probably a lot of uh, downside on a lot of rolls <laughs> right <laughs> and not a lot of yeah. upside so you're mostly spending your your dice to 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 negate downsides on actions so <laughs> yes that is yeah you could uh, it's kind of it's up to the people playing how 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 many negative how many risks they want to add um, you could play very very much high danger um, another source of risk in the game is when you're you're going for that that extraordinary effort or using your power, the supernatural effort, if you roll doubles on your roll, you lose a die out of your. So it's it just represents you kind of straining yourself or putting yourself in harm's way in order to accomplish what you're what you're trying to achieve. Um, with the supernatural effort, using your power. Uh, so if any of the three dice come up doubles, then you lose a die. And also, that is how you gain a mark of your curse. Oh, that's that's pretty brutal. So even if you have double successes, you're still going to uh, lose a die out of the pool and take a mark, right? Right. Yes. So that is that is intentionally brutal. Uh, but the way that the skeletons work in terms of rules um, kind of feeds into that. So. Uh, whenever, so so we have several example skeletons in the book. So whenever, so your skeleton could, like I was saying before, it could be, a, it's a problem that's haunting one of your relationships. So uh, one example is um, need for approval. So you would pick another family member and you really want them to show you signs of approval. And so each skeleton has uh, has bones. These are sort of narrative things that could happen during the game. So for need, need for approval, it might just be that person acknowledging that you did something well. Um, and when that happens, that lets you and that other player get back a die that's been lost from you. So it becomes a thing that... Uh, so, so each person has their own skeleton, and they're kind of in charge of keeping track of 
that's happening during the game. So you can either play towards that and and uh, consciously introduce those things into play, or you can just kind of let it naturally happen and just sort of try to pay attention to when it's going to happen. Uh, so then you have this economy of using your resources, using your your powers to accomplish the goals that you want in the world, um, and then also incorporating all of the family story into the game um, on a regular basis as a way to kind of replenish the resources that you're losing. So it's kind of this give and take that makes certain that both sides of the game are balanced. Awesome. So yeah, that that sounds like a, a pretty... Uh... A pretty well, a good fit for the style of game you're you're trying to run. So, and, and this isn't, you know, a lot of people think of uh, gothic, uh, gothic stories being told in you know the 1800s, but y- these generations will move forward through time, right? So you'll you'll have like the 1920s and the 1950s and 70s and whenever you want to set these, right? So that's part of the chronicler's job is to kind of decide when the next generation they is you they want to play. Yeah, yeah. So you can play uh, in. We have actually we have examples of different historical settings at the back of the book in the appendix that you can play in. And as kind of as a group, you can decide what sounds good for sort of the next adventure. Um, and uh, we've kind of, by default, we've kind of written the family as uh, as a British noble family, but you could definitely expand that to to other times, other places, um, other cultures, and still tell the same sort of style of story but uh we do really like the idea of taking something like two-fisted pulp adventure from like the 1920s but then everyone is kind of a creepy adams family character right (laughs) or uh like james bond or sort of like uh the avengers style 1960s spy fi but with sort of this black and white sort of creepy palette to it well, that 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 would be really fun. I mean, I I I also, I mean, I grew up in the '90s, so anytime I can have a little gothic in my, I mean, in my uh, uh, games, I'm always a little more uh, happy, quote unquote. <laughs> so, so yeah, gothic Avengers would be a uh, uh, really interesting, uh, like high high uh outside drama and high internal drama so that's uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean, like a lot of the details like i feel like a lot of the bones are already there when you start looking at these little sort of like period piece kind of genre things so like avengers you've got like the top hats and the pinstripe suits and the black umbrellas and you just sort of have to you know dim the lights a little bit and you start to get sort of some of those gothic overtones Great, awesome. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to uh, tell us about this uh, that, that we've we kind of maybe skipped over uh, in talking about Rookwood? Yeah, uh, one thing that I wanted to just I wanted to kind of point out is in a lot of games that have secrets, typically it's sort of in the best interest of a player from kind of a play perspective to keep those secrets to themselves. There's kind of that tendency to uh, to to play pretty close, like in character, my character, like my character, wouldn't share his secret. So I'm going to make sure the players don't know what my secrets are, and 
there'll be like secret note passing between the player and the GM, and you might go an entire uh, an entire campaign without knowing that um, that Joe's character, his father, is secretly a demon or something like that. Um, with Rookwood, we've designed the game so that those you are incentivized to have those secrets come out. That is kind of the point of play is to have your dirty laundry come come out. Like you want to air your dirty laundry, you want your skeletons to come out of the closet. So that way you can you can have the confrontation that happens, uh, the interaction that happens uh, once your characters have to deal, once they're faced, kind of confronted with those issues. And that's something that this the, the way the skeletons uh, are designed the skeletons are kind of designed to help you do that and i think that's the best policy at all times in all role-playing games because i don't i mean the the separation of player knowledge from character knowledge is it's more entertaining to me to see what's going on and then have to act out my surprise when clearly uh, uncle uncle uh joe job was actually a demon the whole time like <gasps> You know that to, <laughs> right to yeah. me that is much more interesting than going, oh, you were a, a demon, oh okay, all right, well, I guess the game yeah. was it, that changes the information, my entire perception of the game, but also I don't get to react to it, and I also don't get to drive towards your secrets, which I, right. I I really like to do is like, oh. Well, clearly, I'm going to accidentally open your transformation chamber. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we want people to do. We want those secrets to come. Awesome. And uh, so you've got this is a uh, you've got the playtest document now out on uh, itch.io, right? Correct. And and what are, what are your plans for uh, furthering uh, further publishing this? Is it? I'm assuming that this is not just the end, but it's the beginning of your story. Yes, it is just the beginning. Yeah. Um, so what's out on itch.io right now is the playtest version of our rules. It's it's rules complete, um, but there are some of some of our monsters and some of our content um, aren't included in that. Um, it's also not doesn't have like our our final. Um, professional layout either it's just kind of out there to be functional and to give people kind of an idea of what the game is um so we are planning to uh take the game to kickstarter we're launching on november 5th the funding goal for the campaign is to uh to release the game as a hardcover book uh the book's going to have uh, it's got a beautiful cover illustration by a excuse me a gothic uk artist named uh morgan corbell she does fantastic work um it's all she uses all uh like physical media so she uses like charcoal and watercolor and that sort of thing and ink um and uh so that the kickstarter version will have our our full set of monsters and we have a few uh, a few f- fun additions that we have planned as well that folks can catch out catch once we once we launch i mean the, the yeah the the one illustration you have in the beginning here and it with the uh with the skeletal uh 
uh, profile. It, what, the curio. What do you, what do you call that? Uh, the, cameo. Uh, cameo is yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. The skeletal cameo surrounded by ravens. Like that is just a fantastic uh, illustration. I was looking at her uh, her website and I was like, oh yeah, no, I totally understand why you picked her. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you going to do? Is it only gonna? Is it? I'm assuming you're gonna have a PDF level and just hardback. Is that yes? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, PDF this, level and hardback. Is it going to be like a? Uh, I, I, I'm just thinking in my head, like, is it going to have like a cloth texture to it, kind of uh, like some of those old Gothic books that we used to pull off the shelf, kind of thing? Or is that a stretch goal to try and raise the raise the print quality of the the hardback, kind of thing? Um, we are doing a matte cover, um, so. Morgan, she did us. She did a full illustration for the cover, and it has. Uh, you may have noticed from kind of like the background on our itch.io page, it's got kind of that uh, sort of ornate, almost wallpaper kind of uh, texture, background texture. So she's she's done a, f- a full cover with that that texture with um, with her skeletal cameo. Um, I call her Bonita. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And um, she's done a uh, she's she's done like a custom custom font for the title. Um, so to to make that shine as best as possible, we're just going to do a, a matte cover. So it's going to be a printed cover. Um, and then she's got she's done some interior illustration work for for us as well. Excellent. And and that's uh, I mean that sounds amazing. And we'll. Uh... I'm looking forward to seeing this on Kickstarter because I've, while I've been, we've been sort of stepping back from Kickstarter a little bit, but that just means that those, I have to really fall in love with the project and I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, backing this and, and seeing how, uh, how it goes because, uh, it's Fantastic. Ro- Thank you. It's a bit rocky out there right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much for uh, uh, coming on and uh, talking about this, and we l- really look forward to seeing the uh, seeing the final product. Well, thank you. I really really appreciate it. It's been great to talk to you, and yeah, I, I really appreciate your interest in the game. 